Welcome back to the new revamped in the bonus podcast. I am your host, Johnny Peterson. Let's go. guys here we go like i said earlier on my twitter this week if you don't follow me on twitter follow me at in the bonus pod but i announced on twitter this week that there would be some major changes coming to the podcast and here they are new intro music and uh sort of a new style to the show so we're still going to be talking all things nba news stories and highlights like uh like the old intro was however We're also going to be doing some segments as well, segments that are designed to increase all of our knowledge about the game of basketball, hopefully in an entertaining way, and I hope that you guys like it. I also am looking to have more involvement from you guys, the listeners, so if you have ideas for segments, things you want me to talk about, DM me on Twitter and we'll implement them on the show. But let's jump right into our first segment, Dubs and L's. So in this episode, I'll introduce each segment and explain what each segment is going to be about before I do it, but moving forward, I'll usually just hop right into the segment. So the first segment is dubs and L's. Essentially, what dubs and L's is are stuff that happened in the week that I feel could be categorized as a win or a loss for that person, team, city, etc. Anyway, first dub of the week. Apparently, people have been just hitting the drive-through ordering 50-piece McNuggets from McDonald's because there are multiple 50-point games this week that we saw in the NBA. One comes courtesy of Blake Griffin, including uh, the game-winning free throw over the Philadelphia 76ers. This is huge for Blake Griffin because ever since he was traded to Detroit, he has kind of fallen off in terms of his national media presence. And You know, that has a lot to do with the fact that uh, Detroit's a small market team. They kind of hang out in the bottom half of the Eastern Conference. They have been sort of a disappointment for a long time, ever since 2004 when they won that championship with uh, Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Tayshaun Prince, Sheed Wallace, and and Ben Wallace. And hopefully Blake Griffin's the kind of guy that can turn this franchise around along with guys like Stanley Johnson. But Blake had 50. Normally, we see guys who are three-point shooting specialists are the ones that are dropping these really high-volume outputs, and it's really great to see a guy like Blake Blake improve his jump shot and sort of move along with the trend of where the NBA is going. Our other 50-point game comes from a more obvious candidate, uh, Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors, dropped 51 points, and he only did it in three quarters, didn't even play in the fourth, and we see that a lot with this Golden State team. They will just beat a team down so badly that their starters don't even need to play in the fourth. And the team that was on the receiving end of this 51-point output happens to be our first L of the week, not only because of this loss, but because of some other things that came out. Our first L of the week goes to none other than the Washington Wizards, John Wall and company. The, The Wizards are having a tough go of it right now. They, like we said, they got trounced by 20 to Golden State, and then they also have lost to the Kings. They're now at a 1-4 record, which isn't looking good for a team that should be a, a top-five team in the East. Even with the East being as weak as it is, the Wizards have the talent. Dwight Howard still has not played yet. I, I'm looking at the box score, and he's 
hasn't played a game yet, no minutes logged. And and now we see John Wall calling out players on his own team saying we can't guys can't be worried about uh how many shots they're getting. They need to produce on the defensive end and Scott Brooks, their head coach, called him out uh, as Otto Porter. He says Otto can't really be worried about his shots. And it's just so unnecessary. This is such unnecessary drama for Washington. They have enough issues as it is. The last thing you want to do is start taking it out publicly on your teammates. What Washington really needs right now, they just need John Wall just has to step up. Uh, As the leader of this team, he can't be the person that's leaking negative things to the press or saying negative things to the press. He needs to bring the team together. They need to figure out what's going on and just play basketball. Bury the beef, bury the hatchet. Just You guys got to get over it. You're a team. You got to play together. Everyone needs to focus on the one goal, and that is to win. That's the primary goal of being in the NBA. You're, you're paid to help the team win. And when your personal you know, your personal goals get in the way of that, of the team winning, people are going to notice and it can either, you guys can either get over it or you can let it ruin the entire season and the team just falls apart. So Washington gets that L for the week. Our other L for the week is NBA refs as a whole. You guys need to figure it out. You ejected Andre Drummond from Joel Embiid for nothing. He should win an an Oscar for that performance because I can't believe the refs fell for that. If they had just taken two seconds to look at the replay, they would see that it was a major flop, and instead they decided to just immediately eject Andre Drummond for essentially nothing, and it's completely ridiculous. I understand that they need to cut down on the fighting, but you can't eject a player like that for for a flop. You, You have to look at the replay. You have to see... What really happened before you just go out and eject a player? It's completely ridiculous. So the second L of the week goes to NBA refs. Figure it out. Our next segment is the pointless stat of the week. I'm really excited about this because I see this all over Twitter. I see this all over social media. People in the NBA media and in sports media as a whole will just throw out these stupid statistics with the guise of, of making that stat seem more incredible. And it goes along the lines of, oh, well, LeBron James is the first player to score 22 points on a Wednesday wearing a white headband. It's a lot of stuff like that, and it's just completely ridiculous. So our pointless stat of the week comes courtesy of Frank Urbina. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. So Frank Urbina tweeted out after Blake Griffin's 50-point game, list of players to drop at least 50 points, 14 rebounds, and 6 assists in a single regular season game. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Rick Barry, Elgin Baylor, Wilt Chamberlain, James Harden, Michael Jordan, Bob McAdoo, Russell Westbrook, and now Blake Griffin. Okay, first of all, who cares? Blake Griffin is obviously not in the same league as Kareem, Wilt, James Harden, Michael Jordan, Westbrook. Blake Griffin is a great player. He is. But... Having him score 50 points, 14 rebounds, and six assists, who cares? Why is that such a why is that such a phenomenal statistic? I think the 50 point game alone is great. It's a great overall game, but just having these very, very exact statistics, like I'm sure Blake wasn't going for that. I'm sure Blake had no idea that he had done something like this, and I'm sure he doesn't even care. And I'm sure people in the NBA, the NBA community, they don't care either. Fans don't care. 
it's all just it's all just something that people can tweet about and can just make themselves seem like they know more about the game than you do. It's ridiculous. I, I'm sick of it. Just just let them play. Stop throwing out these stupid stats. Nobody cares. Nobody cares that James Harden dropped 40 points on September 22nd and is the only player to do so while wearing low-cut shoes and one pad on his left knee. Nobody cares. Before we move on to the next segment, I need your guys' help. I need your help from you, the listeners. This is the part of the podcast that I call recruitment. Now, you're listening to this podcast, so that means you probably like basketball. And I bet that you have friends who like basketball too, maybe more than you and maybe less. Regardless, you can probably think of one person who might like this podcast. All I want you to do is just copy the link of this podcast and send it to that one person saying something like, hey, I listened to this great Hoops podcast. I think you'd like it. Super easy, right? It takes two seconds. It'll help other people find the podcast. It'll help in the bonus grow. It'd be great for everybody. Win-win situation. That's all you got to do. Back to the show. Our next segment is best players you've never heard of. Uh, players who were actually great, however, they never attained the level of notoriety that we see from NBA legends, you know, like MJ, Shaq, Kobe, Allen Iverson, etc. The best player you've never heard of this week is Arvidas Romas Sabonis, born December 19th, 1964 in the, the Soviet Union, or I guess what is the former Soviet Union. He began playing basketball at the age of 13, and by the time he was 15, he was already a member of the Soviet national junior team. He would eventually go on to lead the Soviet national team to a gold medal in 1988, including wins over the United States and Yugoslavia in the finals. His NBA career, he was originally selected by the Atlanta Hawks with the 77th overall pick of the 1985 draft. However, the selection was voided because Sabonis was under 21 at the time of the draft. The following spring, he suffered a devastating Achilles tendon injury. Nevertheless, he was selected by the Portland Trailblazers with a 24th overall pick in the following NBA draft. He was not allowed to play in the USA despite the LSU Tigers head coach Dale Brown's plans to have Sabonis studying and playing at LSU, thus keeping him in amateur status. However, he did go to Portland to rehabilitate his injury with the Blazers medical staff in 1988 while also practicing with the team. After the 1994-95 European series, Sabonis and the Portland uh, Trailblazers contacted one another about a move to the NBA. Before signing Sabonis, Portland's then-general manager, Bob Whistlet, asked the Blazers' team physician to look at Sabonis' x-rays, illustrating the impact of Sabonis' numerous injuries. They said it wasn't very good. Uh, they basically said that Arvidas could qualify, as, could qualify for a handicapped parking spot based on his x-rays alone. Nevertheless, the Blazers signed Sabonis. He had a successful rookie campaign, averaging 14.5 points on 55% shooting, playing less than 24 minutes a game. He was selected to the all-rookie first team and was runner-up for both Rookie of the Year and Sixth Man of the Year voting. His postseason averages went up to 23.6 points and 10 rebounds a game. He averaged 16 points and 10 rebounds in his first playoff series against the Utah Jazz, which were all career highs. Arvidas was just uh, another number of great European players that have come over from Europe to play in the NBA. He uh, has a lot of great uh, awards to his name. He is a six-time Euroscar Player of the Year. He's a two-time Mr. European Player of the Year, three-time USSR League Champion, FIBA World Cup Champion, four-time Lithuanian Sportsman of the Year, Eurobasket MVP, Spanish Cup winner, Euroleague Champion, two-time EuroLeague Finals top scorer. 
EuroLeague Final Four MVP. This guy was was a great player, and he's actually the father of current Indiana forward DeMontis Sabonis, who is having quite a career of his own uh, coming out of Europe. Arvidas is also a member of the NBA Hall of Fame, the Naismith Hall of Fame, and when he was inducted, he was the tallest player inducted at the Hall of Fame at the time at seven foot three, two hundred ninety-two pounds, and would be uh, overtaken by Ralph Sampson, who was seven foot four, just a few years later. So that is our best player you've never heard of of the week, Arvidas Romas Sabonis. Our next segment is called Off the Court. Basically. I will talk about things that are happening in the NBA to NBA players, but not necessarily for their abilities on the court, things that they're doing off the court, business ventures, things of that nature. And the headliner for our off-the-court segment this week is Dwight Howard. So Washington Wizards star Dwight Howard and his production company, Mansa Productions, have signed with the Hollywood agency ICM Partners for representation in all areas off the court, including broadcasting and entertainment work. So it sounds like we know why Dwight isn't playing right now. He is pursuing off-the-court things. He should probably get back to playing basketball. Anyway, this article is from the sportsbusinessdaily.com. Howard, a 15-year veteran and eight-time NBA All-Star, will work with agents in different departments throughout the agency uh, in publishing uh, and reality and unscripted television. Agent Adam Schweitzer will represent him for acting opportunities. And Mark Zimmerman and Randy Freeman will represent him for endorsements. And other agents, Lou Oppenheim and Michael Glantz, will represent Howard for broadcasting work. Oppenheim said that Howard has been interviewed on shows such as ESPN's The Jump and has not been able to get on the other side of the microphone. Uh, However, Oppenheim said that he thinks Howard would be good at it because he is, quote, smart, funny, and willing to speak his mind. He said there's an interest in him as an analyst for either college or NBA basketball. Howard has done acting before, appearing in television shows and films, including playing Cold Turkey in the animated, so, in animated film Freebirds. I think this is great. NBA players should diversify uh, their, their talents and their abilities because, like we talk about all the time on this podcast, the NBA career is very finite. I think the NBA career is something like an average of five years or less. So you have a whole lot of life to live after you're done playing basketball And while I really think that Dwight should be focusing on playing right now, especially with the drama that's surrounding the Washington Wizards right now, I think it's good. I think Dwight is a very funny guy. He's really personable. And I think he would make a great broadcaster. However, like like all things Dwight Howard, I'll believe it when I see it. Same thing with the Anthony Davis thing when he said he wanted to be the next Anthony Davis, next Kevin Durant, but he hasn't shown it yet. I'll believe it when I see it. Same goes for this broadcasting stuff. And that's our off-the-court segment for the week. Before we get into the Q&A from the listeners, I wanted to do a little bit of an overtime segment. And basically, the overtime segment is whatever I feel like talking about this week that I feel needs to be addressed. And what I feel needs to be addressed this week is Lonzo Ball needs to start. There was a ton of talk before the season started about who should start, Rondo versus Lonzo Ball. I originally thought Rondo should start. Rondo has the championship experience. He's a veteran. He's played with superstars like LeBron James uh, and knows how to play well with really great players, whereas Lonzo Ball has really only played with young guys in his very short NBA tenure. He's only in his second year in the league. He still has a lot to learn. 
I've changed my tune on that. Ever since Rondo was suspended for fighting with CP3, Lonzo's been getting the start. He's been getting the majority of the minutes, and he's been playing phenomenally. They're 2-1 and one when Lonzo starts. They were 0-3 oh when Rondo starts. Lonzo has obviously improved his shooting so far. He's become a much better three-point shooter. He's put on a ton more muscle. Josh Hart needs to start as well. I know I, I hit on Josh Hart a lot, and I changed my tune on him last week in the podcast. But those two guys need to start. They're young. LeBron James plays really well with them. And we've seen it with, with Rondo sitting out. Lonzo has played so much better when he's getting the majority of the minutes, when he has the ball in his hands a lot of the time. That's the best way to utilize Lonzo Ball. Rondo is going to have to come off the bench. He's going to have to find a way to gel better with the second unit and continue to mentor Lonzo Ball from the bench. Especially when we see Rondo's attitude getting him kicked out of games getting him suspended that's not who you want as your starting point guard I think Lonzo is a better fit at the one he's a better fit to pair with LeBron to put a better fit to pair just in the starting lineup as a whole I think Luke Walton is probably starting to see this as well they're doing a lot better with Lonzo starting and I'll leave it at that that is our overtime of the week Lonzo's got to start Q&A. I want to thank you guys for sending in a lot of great questions. Uh, If this goes well, I would like to do this every week or so. Uh, Thanks again for all the great questions. Let's jump right into it. First question is from Marco. Will Nikolai Jokic from the Nuggets be an MVP contender this year? Uh, Nikolai Jokic is a really interesting player because he he is a great player. He should be an MVP candidate. But one of the reasons that he isn't, I think, doesn't necessarily have to do with the fact that he's a great basketball player, but more so that he's not really a a nationally recognized player in the media. People who are just the casual NBA fans may not have even heard of Nikolai Jokic. One, because Denver's not a huge market team. They're sort of a smaller market team, smaller city. And Nikolai isn't really very... He's not very prominent in the media. He's not very vocal on Twitter, not very vocal on Instagram. And if you notice a trend with the last few MVPs, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, those guys are very recognizable. They wear crazy outfits. They have huge endorsement deals, multi-million dollar shoe deals. They are more than just basketball players. And it sucks that things like that would be considered in an MVP voting. But the fact of the matter is, is, is that it is. I do think just from a purely from a basketball perspective, Nikolai should be an MVP candidate. I think he's he'll probably hop around, hover around top six to eight in the MVP voting this year. But it's those other things, those other factors that play into being an MVP. Personality, interacting with fans, things of that nature are starting to play into the MVP voting as we've seen over the last few years. So thanks for that question, Marco. Uh, yes, I think he should be an MVP candidate, but for those reasons, I don't think that he, he will win the MVP. Our next question is from Sully. He asks, Markel Fultz, start him or bring him off the bench? Hashtag go Sixers. We got a Sixers fan in the, in the house tonight uh, from Sully. Markel has started all six games so far this season. The Sixers are 3-3 three and three so far. I think a player like Markel Fultz needs to start. He's the number one overall pick. He is largely regarded as pretty much the future of the Sixers along with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. He's got to start. He's still rehabbing that shoulder injury. And with Philly being talked about as really the only team besides Toronto that can contend with Boston to get 
to play Golden State in the finals, I think you got to keep starting Markel. They're playing pretty well with him starting, uh, starting at the two. He, his jump shot is continuing to get better. I, I'm really excited to see where he goes in his career. But yeah, I think he needs to start. I think the Sixers bench is good where it is. He's got to play with the starting five. He's got to get better. Along, it's the same thing with Lonzo Ball. He's got to get the experience. He's got to get the minutes in order to just overall improve as a player. He is looking like he's going to be a star in this league. Once he can sort of get his feet under him, I think once he gets a full season or two under his belt, he's really going to start to take off, and we're really going to see the the promise and the the ceiling that we saw with him at Washington and it's the reason why he was the number one overall pick so yeah he's got to start I don't see any reason why he shouldn't start next question Rick asked what do you think of the first look at the Mavs this season and your thoughts on Luka Doncic I've been pretty vocal about the Mavs the last couple episodes and on Luka Doncic Luka Doncic is is starting to become my favorite player in the NBA I know he's only 19 but he just looks so comfortable out there he is already playing with the poise and the professionalism of an NBA veteran, a guy who's been in the league for five or six years. And it's wonderful to see. It's awesome to see the Mavs finally having a pick pan out well for them. Dennis Smith Jr. is looking really good. Wesley Matthews is playing extremely well. And they're they're doing this all without Harrison Barnes and Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk Nowitzki's been out with an injury. Harrison Barnes has been out with an injury. And they're still playing extremely well. So I'm excited to see where that they can get even better with their two best players coming back and, and joining the team. So I'm excited for the Mavs this season. I don't think a lot of people took them very seriously in the offseason, but they're looking pretty dangerous right now. They look like a team that could sneak in and in that seven or eight seed, especially with San Antonio going down with injuries. With We don't know how the Lakers are going to pan out, uh, and that could really shift around the playoff seedings a lot. So the future is bright for Dallas. I'm really excited. The future is bright for Luka Doncic. I think he's going to be a superstar in this league. Great question. Our next question. This comes from Glenn. He asked, will the Lakers get back on top with LeBron? And if they do, what does that say about him as a player? The Lakers, have they've had a rocky start. They've had, you see Brandon Ingram is suspended for four games. Rondo suspended for three games. But that's allowed players like Lonzo Ball to really step up. Josh Hart to really step up and, and prove themselves. I think with the addition of LeBron James, LeBron James is the key that is going to get the Lakers back on top. And I think that he can do it. LeBron is arguably the best player that's ever played the game of basketball. He's in his 16th year with absolutely zero signs of slowing down. And if they do get them back on top, what does that say about LeBron? That really solidifies LeBron as the best player to ever play. I think that if he is able to take a third team out of the gutter and into into NBA glory again, there's really no conversation to be had. He is the best player to ever play. Michael Jordan never did that. Will Chamberlain never did that. We didn't see that from really any other player to have three different franchises resurrected and brought back into prominence. I think they, the Lakers made a great move bringing in LeBron James that allows them to get them back into the national spotlight to allow them to actually win again and set them up for the future. Playing with LeBron James is going to allow players like Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, JaVale McGee to really, really improve and become better overall players and secure the future of the Lakers. So great question, Glenn. Thanks for that. 
Our final question comes from Nick. He asked, what's wrong with the Thunder and the Lakers? Now, we've touched on the Lakers a lot. The Lakers, obviously, they, they just need time to, to gel. They need their chemistry to improve. They need to allow more time to pass for their young guys to get more experience. They need to stop fighting. Rondo needs to stop getting suspended. Brandon, Ing Brandon Ingram is arguably the second best player on the Lakers. He cannot be suspended for four games. He can't be acting like that. He can't be getting suspended if the Lakers want to be successful. The Thunder, on the other hand, are, are, are a different story. Westbrook needs to stay healthy. He needs to be able to play in games. The Thunder are, are relevant because Westbrook's averaging triple doubles for the last two seasons, even if they're losing in the first rounds of the playoffs. Carmelo Anthony is out of the picture now. That allows Paul George to uh, have more touches to become the second best player or the first best player on this Thunder team. I think the biggest problem is just time. They just need time. It's only six games into the season. They just need time to gel together. I think the trio of Steven Adams, Russell Westbrook, and Paul George are a deadly threat in the Western Conference. And once they start get the get the wheels going, start getting at least 20 games under their belt, we can we can come back and revisit this. But if it keeps going the way that they're going, they're looking at another first-round exit. So it's all about just coming together, making sure their, their chemistry is on point, everyone knows their role. Great question. Thanks for tuning in this week, guys. I hope you like the new format of In the Bonus. Please DM me if you have constructive criticism about the podcast, segments you want to hear, uh, things you want me to address during the podcast. I really appreciate your guys' involvement in the show. That is going to be the basis. I want the listeners to help be a large part of what goes into the content of the podcast. To contact me, please uh, DM me on Twitter at InTheBonusPod. Again, that's at InTheBonusPod on Twitter. You can also follow me on Instagram at Johnny Threederson, J-O-H-N-N-Y-3, T-E-R-S-O-N. Uh, send me things on there if you want me to talk about them on the podcast as well. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. Remember your recruitment. Remember your recruitment for the week. Send this episode to one person that you think might like the podcast. And we will see you guys next week on In the Bonus.